Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? Can I be honest with you, Dave, about what I want to talk about? You, you did not just say that, did you? Come on, really? I mean, this is one of my biggest pet peeves. I love when I'm in a conversation with somebody and then all of a sudden I look at you with the earnest eyes and they go, can I be honest with you? And I'm like, you mean you haven't been honest up until now? I hate when people say that. <laughs> First of all, I know we have a, we have a whole conversation we want to talk about. But if you're if you're well, obviously you're if you're hearing this, you're one of our listeners by definition. That was about to be one of the stupider things I've said in 61 years. Um, <laughs> it would have been honest, though. Get rid of. Can I be honest with you from your lexicon? Unless there are times when you are not honest. And what I recommend people. Well, replace that with hold on we'll we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that i just want to finish this lesson because this is like i said soap opera it's like one of my big soap boxes it's okay in my opinion to say can i be candid with you because there are times when candor is not called for in fact this is probably a good segue into the conversation so what's your question well i mean it 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 occurred to me that is there a time in persuasion, in sales, in leadership, where honesty is not the best policy? Uh, sure. If you don't want your people to be honest with you. No, but what about situations where you can't divulge certain information, whether it's protected client information or important HR information? Um, a perfect example, you know, when somebody gets fired or somebody leaves an organization, we can't really talk about it. Um, it, it tends to strike fear in the hearts of your team. So you want to be able to say something, but from a protection standpoint, oftentimes you can't. Right. So, I mean, that's just a, the example that comes into my head. So, you know, when and we all know this from TV, hopefully not from real life experience. So some of us may from real life experience, right? But when somebody's being sworn in to testify in court, right? We all know, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? And the reason it's all three, right? And and the reason it's all three, right? Do you swear to tell the truth? In other words, are the words coming out of your mouth the truth, the whole truth? Are you omitting nothing and nothing but the truth? Are you not embellishing the truth with additional information that may not be truthful, right? So my point here is that that's in court. We are not required to tell the whole truth, but we are required to tell the truth. And we are also required, in my opinion, in my world, to tell nothing but the truth, but it's the piece, the whole truth. In other words, if somebody said to me in your situation, um, you know, what happened to so-and-so, right? And I can't say they were fired. Maybe I can, but maybe I can't. Let's just say I can't in this particular case. They're no longer with the company. But what happened? 
I'm not at liberty to discuss that. All you need to know is they're no longer with the company. Now, I've told you the truth. I've told you nothing but the truth. I have not told you the whole truth. What's wrong with that? Well, I mean, in that particular case, that's, that's part of the legality of the situation. Right. My point is, I have yet to find a situation where a line is appropriate. Now, it doesn't, let, let me be clear, folks. I'm not saying I've never lied in my life. I'm human. And um, it's certainly when I was younger, I didn't have the, the level of scruples, morals. I didn't know who I was, is really what it comes down to. But personally, how I identify and who I identify, you know, who I am as a person. Like, if I'm saying it, it's truthful. And there you have it. All right, that's so, it for this episode. Um, and there we go. Well, no, and it's funny because I'm, I'm sitting here wondering why that popped into my head as a topic. Because, you know, I, I understand where there's definitely a place where you need to omit parts of the truth. Um and I'm trying to, yeah. And I think that misinformation is always a bad idea, just in general. And again, you may be able to be clear about the fact that I'm not able to share the information. Um, does that, though, make your team wonder what you're hiding? It might. It, yeah, it might. And, and there's a couple of things that come along with this, right? So um, from, from your question, it might, and if they, if you've built enough love in the truth bank, in other words, if everything you say is the truth, and I look at you and I just say, I'm sorry, I'm not at liberty to discuss that. And they say, why? You just got to trust me. I can't discuss this. And I've built up enough trust. They're going to accept that I've got their best interest at heart, that I've got their back and nothing bad is going to happen, you know. This has nothing to do with you. It's not going to reflect badly on you, whatever. You know, it's not going to affect you in a negative way, right? Now, if... Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Go ahead. If they don't have any trust in me, yeah. It doesn't matter what I say at that point. And, and this is why every time I do a communication workshop and I do a leadership workshop, I talk about that, what you would just call the trust bank or, a, you know, that, that respect bank. Because there are going to be times when your team needs to say, okay, I trust you. I don't like it. I want something different. And I trust that you have, and I love the way you said this, my best interest at heart. And so I know that I can trust you here, even though I'm not getting what I want out of this situation. And so that's why leadership, communication, persuasion isn't just a tactic you do in the moment. It's a relationship you build over the long term. So in those moments where you do have to admit something, you can say, trust me. And if this is ever a situation that you're in, I'm going to afford you the same respect. And, that, you know, it's funny. You just hit on something, which is, listen, you know, the implicit, and sometimes you can state it outright. It really depends on the circumstance. I'm not saying you always say this, but sometimes it's, it has to be implicit that, listen, um, I'm respecting somebody else. Maybe it's not my story to give, right? Not my story to tell, right? Sometimes I've been able to say, listen, I, I, I can't answer that. That's not my story to tell. You know, um, mm -hmm. there, there is an area where I do struggle. Uh, and so it's not as black and white as I'm making it seem. And that's when I have to count something in something such a way that it's open to misinterpretation, right? Where it's, it's not a lie, right? Nothing, no words have passed by my lips 
are inaccurate and at the same time, they can be easily construed in a way that is untruthful. And, you know, there are times where that's happened and it has to happen. Sometimes it's by design where I, I word things a certain way um, because I know they can be easily misconstrued and the person because of their position by that, I mean, you know, where, where their mental um, sort of thought process is that, that they're going to construe it that way. And so I, I do. Do you have an example? No, I wish I did. Um, hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I conceptually can kind of understand what you're saying here. Um, and, and are you saying that you do that intentionally to the point that, hey, I know if I say this this way, um, that it's, it's going to be assumed yes. what I mean when I mean something else? And you're saying doing it intentionally. Yeah, there's been times when I've done that intentionally, where I know I can hold to myself that, you know what, I'm speaking the truth, even though I know they're not going to hear the truth. And yes, it's it's been 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 by design. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. I, it's not it's not a specific example. One by that I mean I can't remember the exact words, but I remember the, the circumstances are, are certainly ones where I've done this. I have an underperformer. I've worked with them you know, everything I could to get them up to speed. And now I've got to replace them. And I don't want to replace, they're, they're underperforming, but not to the level where they're better off without them and having a gap. You know what I'm saying? But, but, but I need to up-level that position and I need to bring somebody else to take them over. And, you know, and I'm looking. And, you know, is my job on the line or, or, or that sort of thing? And I, you know, um, well, if they actually came to me and said, well, my job on the line, I might say something like, um, if you're, if, if you're, you know, if you don't improve to this level, you could lose your job. But in my mind, we've already hit that point in no return. Right. So, ah. right. So I didn't say something false. I didn't lie. But I didn't tell them, yeah, we've kind of crossed that goal line already. And now I'm actively looking for somebody, right? Because that, why would I do that? And so that's, and I struggle with that when I say it, but I'm not sure mm -hmm. how to handle it. Yeah. And that is, that is a really tough one because, you know, you need to think about the, the team and the department and performance and in the short term and in the long term. Um, and yet that's somebody's somebody's livelihood, you know? So that's a, yeah, it's a tough one. Now, what I do in the, under those circumstances, uh, it, typically is once I've identified a replacement, it's not like a two weeks and you're gone. Then I'll say, listen, we'll be making a change. You know, uh, if you're willing to train your replacement and, you know, do a good job changing your replacement, you got, you know, four weeks, six weeks, whatever you think is necessary. Obviously, if you find a job sooner, you know, feel free, take the job. I will write a letter of recommendation and that letter of recommendation will always be legit. And this is another area, right? Where I'm not going to tell the whole truth, right? But I will talk about the positive qualities that person brings to the table. Because if I'm keeping them on, there are positive qualities. Because if there were no positive qualities, I'd be better off just saying, listen, you're out of here. We'll deal with the gap in the, in the teamwork. I wouldn't say this last part to him, but my mental conversation would be, we'll, we'll deal with the gap in the teamwork while I find your replacement because they have no positive qualities. They're not bringing anything to the table. If I'm allowing them to stay in that job while I find somebody who's going to up-level it, 
there's positive qualities. And I will highlight those qualities in a recommendation letter to somebody, right? And we'll, we'll position it in such a way that, um, you know, they can get another job. And so, yeah. And, and that's probably well, and another example, by the way, that's probably another example where I'm not being a hundred percent candid to go back to how we open this, right? No, I'm not saying everything, but nothing that's passing through my lips, so to speak, metaphorically or, or, or on paper is a lie. Yeah. Yep. Well, and that's a, another commonplace now that we're talking about it, that I see dishonesty in the workplace come through because people are afraid, because people are trying to protect people. Um, I've gotten a lot of performance evaluations from new, um, new people that work for me. And I identify all these problems. I go back and look at their old performance evaluations and they're all glowing. And I go and talk to their old manager and their old manager says, oh yeah, they, we have those problems too. I'm like, why wasn't it reflected on the performance evaluation? You know? And so as we think about being completely candid um, with all of the information, I think not only in the recommendation when somebody's leaving the company, but also having the courage to be completely honest and candid when somebody's in your role and in your company. Well, and that's interesting. Yeah. So the what, what's lacking there, of course, is integrity in the manager. And that's because they don't have courage, which is you just identified. And that's because right. courage comes from caring about other people. And if you don't mm -hmm. care about somebody enough to be candid with them about their shortcomings, you probably don't need to be a manager anymore. Mm -hmm. Totally. Because that's, I mean, that's the whole job of a manager is to make sure that your team can do their job. And so by telling them the ways that they can get better in a collaborative way, not a confrontational way, you end up with A, trust and respect, B, somebody who knows what they need to get better at, and then C, hopefully, of improving and improving and improving team. Yes. And everything you said is 100% correct. And this is, this is not one of those ands that shows a, a, a paradoxical other thing. You're modeling, right? You're modeling behaviors that you're right typically your team your team is always a reflection on you so if you're not doing your job by being candid how can you really tell somebody else oh you're not doing your job and so i'm going to replace you because they're just doing the same thing you're doing which is not not your job not their job right 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 so and not caring about each other and not caring about the job and not caring about the department and the company with enough hum hum humility humility <laughs> to be able to say, hey, there's something that I don't do well. Yes, humility. That is a new word. It Can means be... humility, but it's a little more fun to say. It's like rolling down a hill. Oh, wait, I got it. It's a portmanteau <laughs> of humble and humility. Humility. I like it. Thank you. See what I did? Yeah, I did. I, I, I did. That's why I was able to come up with it. It's a portmanteau of humble and humility. Humility. I like it. It is a new word. <laughs> but my point is that... Um, if we are modeling that humility to our team, they will then turn around and hopefully show us some humility too and be able to take that feedback as an opportunity to improve rather than as an attack, which is what I think the fearful managers are worried about. Yeah, it's funny. In my uh, accountability academy, uh, you know, as you know, it's the three-day retreat, which I have coming up on June 16th. If somebody's interested in learning more, please contact me. Shameless plug aside, 
in my accountability account, one of the things that is typically revealed, and when I say revealed, it's easy enough for me to say to you, say to our listeners, listen, if your team is doing something, it's typically a reflection of what you're also doing, right? Because they're just modeling your behaviors. But that becomes this big aha for many people when they realize, because at first glance, people go like, oh, no, I don't do those things. And then mm-hmm. you start to think about it. Like, Wait a second. I really do those things. I need to. Up so my- what you're saying. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Jump in. Well, and, and this is where we need to take this a step further and say, we need to not only be honest with our team, we got to be honest with ourselves. Yes. And that is sometimes even more difficult. Totally. Because nobody's there to bust us. Right. It's, I mean, it's the reason we have coaches is because a coach it doesn't have that emotional attachment and can um, support tr- uh, truth supported by love, as Michelle likes to say, right? Where we can say, listen, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm witnessing, right? I'm not saying this is you, but I'm saying this is how I'm seeing it. And then it gives us the chance to look back and go, huh, let me see. Let, let me look in that mirror of your eyes and I could see why she would say that. And now let me look at my heart and soul and go, wow, not far from the truth. And what happened with me a lot when, mm-hmm. when I, I get reflected back to me is I might go, well, miss the mark by a little bit, right? But it's on the target, just not the bullseye. Here's what the bullseye really is. And then I'm able to hone in, wow, what's really going on with me? And then I can deal with that and, and, and grow and change. Yep, exactly. But it starts with having that humility to be honest with yourself and say, okay, I, I said it right that time. Uh, to have that humility to say, hey, I, I suck at this or I'm not doing this as well as I could. Let me see if I can shape myself up. Yeah, and I think I mentioned this once before, but it's, it's worth repeating. Um, uh, a, a coach I had in the past, an accountability coach, uh, you might know, in fact, you do know Michelle, um, last time I worked with her, she went through an exercise from her coach. And I don't remember the whole detail of the exercise. I can dig it up. But what it came down to is she had me list 10 people in either from, they could be alive, could be mm. historic or, or fictional characters that I admire. And then go through mm-hmm. from one to 10 listing the traits about them that I admired without repeating. So if I admired uh, candor, uh, you know, in, in, in George Washington and, and and then candor came up again with somebody else, I would only list it for George Washington. I didn't need to keep listing it for everybody, right? The idea wasn't to say, what are all the traits these people exist, it, it turns out, but rather list all the traits that you admire. And then what it came down to at the end of the exercise was that what I admire in other people's, I see in myself. Wow, that's pretty powerful stuff. The the flip side of that is also true. What frustrates us about other people frustrates us about ourselves. And I, for a perfect example, you know, when I run into somebody who is, I perceive as being too pedantic to, you know, coach, always teaching, 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 but, you know, and it's just like, I strive them nuts. And then I'm like, oh shit, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, it's very, it, it, it creates humility where you're like, and I've struggled with this one in the past. I'm like, that person's driving me crazy because they do this and they do this. And, and when I started thinking about that concept of the things that drive you nuts in other people are things that you may need to work on yourself. 
I had a really hard time with it. And it takes some soul searching and some creative thinking, uh, but it can be incredibly instructive. Yes. I mean, we, we always hear, we've heard since we were you know little, when you point your finger at somebody, there's three fingers pointing back at you. And I always took that to mean, like, where are you at fault? But what, what it means at a different level is that what you see in others, you see in yourself three times. Yep. Yep. Definitely so. that honesty you need to have with yourself. Yeah. So to answer your well, question. Well, I think we. Go ahead. No, it's never a time to lie. And I think we, we've come to that conclusion. And, uh, and the hardest piece is being honest with yourself. Absolutely. Well, I think that wraps it this week. And uh, hopefully your, your trip to Omaha doesn't last another week. Um, no, folks, we're recording on the same day. So if you heard us last week, we're st- we're sh- she is not stuck in Detroit for a week because I think. <laughs> I'm still at the airport. <laughs> yeah. But good luck on your keto All right, thanks tomorrow. for listening. Yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty excited. And then I do it again on Friday. So. Awesome. Well, break a leg and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right. Have a good one, everyone. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com. And this is Ann Bonnie at YourChangeSpeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. Yeah.